And let's open our Bibles to the book of John this evening. The book of John, chapter number 13. Before we share the Lord's Supper together tonight, I want to look at a portion of Scripture from the upper room and a conversation that Jesus had with His disciples that night when He had the Last Supper with them before He would be arrested later that night and crucified the following day. In John chapter 13, I want to begin in verse number 21. When Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, He gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Heavenly Father, I pray for your holy assistance tonight as we look at this portion of Scripture. May it be a very sober reminder everyone here tonight, that it is a genuine danger that any of us could betray you with our actions or even in our thoughts. May we see from our Savior's words and from the failure of Judas How important it is that we depend on you for the strength to live holy and righteous lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to speak to you very briefly tonight on the topic of the traitor at the table. The traitor at the table. The name Judas Iscariot has become synonymous with being a traitor, even more so than other famous traitors in history. And so it's easy for us to forget that the betrayal of Jesus 
came as a surprise to everyone except for Jesus. We read the story and because we already know how it's going to end, when we read what Judas did, we, we just kind of think, well, of course, because he's, he's Judas. He's a traitor. That's what he did. And I think we kind of read into his story then as we read about him. And even as the, the writers of the Gospels talked about Judas, they, they, they frequently mentioned the fact he was the one who betrayed Jesus. And we kind of, I think, wrongly assume that we would know a traitor if we saw one. That if, if we had been there, that we would, have, we would have picked Judas out right away and said, well, yeah, of course he's the traitor. Look how he's acting. Look how he's behaving. And then I think we also project that onto ourselves wrongfully. We assume that we would know that if we were in danger of becoming a traitor or if we had already become a traitor to our Savior. But the fact is, our sin is so deceitful that a traitor can go undetected for a very long time. And treachery in our own hearts can go undetected for a long time. We need to be humble enough to admit that it's possible that we could betray Jesus and submit to the Holy Spirit's conviction of our sin that we might be loyal to our Savior. Notice with me from our text, first of all, Jesus' declaration. Jesus has been having a conversation with His disciples. They have begun and are partaking of this Last Supper, which was the Passover meal, but now being transformed into the Lord's Supper as Jesus gave it all new meaning. He's washed the disciples' feet in the earlier verses of chapter 13. He's given them the instruction in verse 15 that as I've done to you, that you should do to one another. But then it says in verse 21, as we look down there, when Jesus had said and done all of this, He was troubled in His spirit. Why was he troubled? Well, he declared in verse number 21, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Jesus was troubled because he knew in their midst there was a traitor. There was someone who was disloyal to him. There was someone who was actually going to turn him over to the authorities so that he would be arrested. And that he would do it for 30 pieces of silver. He knew that this one was false. That he was deceitful. That he was living a lie. He was a hypocrite. And it troubled Jesus. Jesus knew that he would be betrayed. And he knew who would betray him. He knew that Judas was not a true believer. He was not a true disciple. He was just playing a part. He was, in fact, the son of perdition. In John 17, Jesus in His 
Prayer to the Father said, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He knew that Judas was not truly saved. How did Jesus know this? First of all, because he's God and he's omniscient. Therefore, he knew it. But he also knew that this was going to happen because Scripture had foretold that it would happen. Here in John chapter 13, look back at verse 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Jesus there is quoting Psalm 41 in verse number 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Jesus knew because God's word said so that one of his disciples, one of his closest friends, was going to betray him. And that's one thing to be betrayed, but it's a whole different story when you know it's going to happen beforehand. And Jesus declared to his disciples, one of you is going to betray me. Notice secondly, the disciples doubt. In verse 22, it says, Then the disciples looked on one another, doubting of whom he spake. That's very interesting to me. Because when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, at no point... Did any of the disciples say, my guess would be Judas? In fact, they responded to Jesus' statement with a question mark in their mind, a doubt. Really? One of us? Are, are you sure? How can that be? That's, that just that doesn't make sense. John says that they were all in doubt about whom he spake. In fact, Matthew adds this, Matthew 26, verse 21. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, one of you shall betray me. In verse 22, And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? None of them suspected Judas. In fact, each of them suspected themselves before Judas. And they each asked Jesus, is, is it me? Am I the one? And so as they were sitting there, Peter motioned to John who was leaning up against Jesus to ask who Jesus who it was. And, and Jesus quietly told John that it would be the one to whom he gave the bread after dipping it. Verse 23 um, Verse 25, said, he then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give the sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. So as a part of the Passover feast, they would take morsels of bread and whoever was leading the feast would dip it in a kind of a sauce of sorts and then, and then hand it out to those who were there. And so when John asked that question, they were at this point in the Passover and Jesus quietly answered to him in this way, after I've dipped the sop to whom I give it. In fact, Mark records it 
kind of from a different angle when he says, And they began to be sorrowful, and they said unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. And so John caught all of the meaning of what Jesus was saying there. The others seemed to be pretty oblivious to what he meant, that it was going to be the first one that he gave the bread to. But the point is this. They didn't know it was Judas. They didn't know. And again, we put ourselves in that situation and we ask the question, how could they not know? I mean, surely with a person so evil, so despicable, so vile as Judas who would betray God the Son, how could they not know? How could they miss all the signs that must have been there? Well, the answer to the question, how could they not know, is this. Sin is deceitful. Sin is deceitful. By its very design, sin deceives. Sin began because of a deception. When, when, when Eve was deceived by Satan. And ever since then, all sin has been based on lies and deceit. And in, in fact, sin is so deceitful that because of sin, it is possible for us to deceive our own selves. Now, that's, that's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. That sin is so wicked that it can even trick you into overlooking it. And it can trick you into thinking everything's okay when it's not. James 1.26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, he deceiveth his own heart. James, or Galatians rather, chapter 6 and verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. The worst kind of deception is self-deception. When because of your sin, you are deceived into thinking that you're okay. What this means is that we cannot trust our own hearts to tell us if there's sin in our lives. As believers, we have to understand that introspection, when just looking inside ourselves, like the world would say, is not sufficient. We can't just look inside us and see if there's sin. Because Jeremiah says that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't need self-examination we need Holy Spirit examination. Because Jeremiah 17.10 answers the question, who can know it? It says, I the Lord try the hearts. I try the reins to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. We have to rely on God to show us the sin in our own lives. And the way that works is the Holy Spirit holds up the mirror of the Word of God so that we can see all of our spiritual flaws. And if it were not for that, we would remain in deception, in deceit. We would continue to think, I'm okay, I'm fine. If it were not for the Holy Spirit continuing to work in our hearts. That is one of the most crucial parts to understanding how biblical sanctification works. It's as God reveals sin to us that we confess that sin, we repent of that sin, 
and we grow in Christ's likeness. If at any point we begin to think, I'm okay, I've arrived, I'm doing pretty good, that is when the alarm bells should be going off. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to show us how we can change to be more like Christ. And so finally, notice with me Judas's deceit. Jesus says this to them in verse 27, After the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. Now pause right there for a moment. There's yet another indication that people did not suspect Judas. I mean, he had said this to John. He gives this piece of bread to Judas. And still, when Jesus told him what you're going to do, do it quickly, none of them thought, oh, he's going to be the one. They didn't know what he was going out for. Verse 29, for some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then having received the sop went immediately out and it was night. Judas had them so fooled, the other 11 disciples that is, that even up to the very end they did not know he was the traitor. In fact, they probably didn't even become suspicious until they saw him walking up to the garden of Gethsemane with the soldiers. They had no idea. All along, though, he had been a thief, helping himself to the common treasury. John 12, verse 6, speaking of Judas, says this, He said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Now this is John writing later, looking back and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that even back then, he was already a thief. Prince of the power of the air. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 26. I want you to go back with me and look at what Judas had already done. He had already been stealing, even though they had trusted him as their treasurer. He'd been helping himself. And in Matthew 26, this is prior to the Last Supper. Look at verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests... And said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. So as they were sitting at the table that night, he had already made plans to betray Jesus. He had already signed the contract. It says he covenanted with them. He'd already made the deal. What will you pay me? We'll give you 30 pieces of silver. All right, first opportunity I get, I'll lead you to him. He had already done that. He had already chosen to betray his friends and to betray Jesus. And in fact, the only person in his life that he did not betray was himself. He kept his secret perfectly right up to the very end. 
And even his signal to the guards in the garden was deceitful. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. All the way up to the end, he was deceiving. He betrayed everyone except himself, but he deceived everyone, including himself. What do I mean by that? Well, apparently Judas thought that he could enjoy the 30 pieces of silver. And that it would be worth it for him to betray Jesus. And that he would be happy once he got that reward. But he wasn't. And his life ended bitterly. Matthew 27, verses 4 through 5. He's taken the money back to the temple. He wants to give it back. And he says to them, the priests, I have sinned and that have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And that's how Judas' story ends. Now tonight as we take part in the Lord's Supper together, we are communing. Together we commune with our Savior in remembering His sacrifice. We're remembering His body that was broken as the bread reminds us of that. We're remembering His blood that was shed so that we could be saved as the cup reminds us of that. And as we gather around this table tonight, we dare not pretend that there could not be any traitors here. It's possible now as it was then that one of us could be deceiving ourselves and others while there is betrayal in our hearts. How do we betray Jesus? To put it simply, whenever we choose to sin, we are being disloyal to Christ. That's what sin is. Among other things, it is disloyalty to our Savior. We betray Christ when we say He's our Lord, but we live for self instead. We betray Christ when we say we hate sin, but then we refuse to confess the sin in our life. We betray Christ when we say that we love God, but He's not truly first place in our life. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11 is the portion of Scripture that was written to the church at Corinth, instructing them in the proper manner of sharing the Lord's Supper. And in verse 27, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. 
Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And the first one to do that was Judas. As he sat at that table with Jesus and the eleven disciples and he ate that meal together, he ate the bread, he drank of the cup, but he did it unworthily because he was being deceitful. He was a traitor. He was not a genuine follower of Christ. He had already agreed to betray him. And the significance of what they were doing that night, that that bread represented the broken body of Jesus and the cup represented His shed blood, was totally lost on Judas. He didn't care. Paul goes on to say in verse 30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. One of the strongest warnings in Scripture And it's regarding the Lord's Supper. That if we take part in an unworthy manner, that is, we do not honor the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are in danger of judgment from God. And like Judas suffered the consequence, we are in danger of the consequence and every time we act disloyalty, disloyally. It's not discerning the Lord's body as Paul puts it. And as Hebrews 10 reminds us, of how much sore punishment suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and done despot under the Spirit of grace. We must examine ourselves with the Holy Spirit's help, and be sure that we are not the traitor at the table.